You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We're taking a step of faith together as a church with this new building. And uh, I pray that this is also a, a, a collective step of faith for us as a church family. I just believe that something happens when we're in a season of faith like this. I, I pray that this initiative activates your faith, not only for us corporately as a church, but personally for, for God to work in your life. I just believe when we're in a season like this that, that this is a season for our, our faith to go to the next level, and uh, for us to believe for God to do something new in our lives. And so this series is really about helping you get unstuck. It's about helping you get unstuck and moving forward into God's purpose for your life. In week one, we talked about moving forward into faith. We said that, that to do God's will, you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to take the next step of faith that God puts in front of you. Last week, we talked about moving forward into purpose. We talked about aligning our daily decisions with the destiny that God has for us, with the, 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 uh, the destination that God has for us. And so if you, if you want to change the direction of your life, you do it one decision at a time. So how are you doing, church, with that one step of faith? How are you doing with that one decision you need to make? Come on, I want to encourage you today. We're moving forward together. Today, I want to talk to you about moving forward into generosity. Now, let me give you a disclaimer, okay, right up front. I want you to feel like, oh my gosh, I came to church on the Sunday when the pastor's gonna talk about money, here we go. No, 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 this is gonna be a life-giving message. This is gonna be an encouraging message. I want something for you, not from you. I want the blessing of God on your life in every area of your life. I want the blessing of God on your finances. I want you to be healthy financially. I don't want you to be all stressed out all the time about money. I don't want you to be drowning in debt. I wanna see the blessing of God on your life in this area that we all care about, that's important to all of us. So I want something for you, not from you. All of God's blessings on your life. If you're new to our church today, if you're tuning in for the first time or you're with us for the first time here in person today, no, we're not one of those churches that preaches about money every Sunday. Now, I'll tell you this. We believe in generosity. We receive an offering every Sunday. We believe Christians should be known as being the most loving, generous people on the planet. That's who we are. We're a generous church. We're a church that, that gives. In fact, we commit 10% of our general tithes and offerings to missions. We, we pay it forward. We're, we're touching our community. We're touching people all around the world. But just relax. If you're new to our church, you get to just listen in to a family talk. There's no pressure on you today. So let me start with this scripture. Jesus said this, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you wanna be more blessed? Anybody wanna be more blessed? My hand's up. Anybody wanna be more blessed so you can be even more generous? My hand's up as well. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I think there's one thing that we can all agree upon today, and that is that generosity is a good thing. Come on, can we agree on that, that generosity is a good thing, giving is a good thing? It doesn't matter whether you consider yourself to be a committed Christian or, or if you're here today and somebody invited you and you're like, well, uh, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I think most of us, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, can agree that generosity is a good thing. Helping other people is, is a good thing. How many of you love the feeling of knowing that you made a difference in someone else's life? Maybe you've served at one of our serve events in the past. Maybe you've helped build a community garden. Or maybe, uh, maybe you've gone with Pastor Dave to do the monthly meals distribution outreach that we do in partnership with 
Caritas, or maybe you've given in the Christmas offering to help sponsor unsponsored children through our partnership with One Hope down in in Honduras. It feels good to make a difference in someone else's life. How many of you want to look back over your life one day and know that your generosity helped others in need, that you lived a life of generosity, that your giving helped advance the kingdom of God? I want to look back over my life one day and know that I spent a lifetime of making an impact in other people's lives, making an impact for the kingdom of God. Here's the problem, though, church. Our aspirations to be generous don't always lead us to actually being generous. Come on, let's be honest. Sometimes we have these aspirations, this desire to be generous, this kind of wishful thinking of being generous, but it doesn't translate to us actually being generous. We, we want to be generous, but sometimes we're not sure, how do we do that? How would I give more? How would I be able to do that? And we kind of get stuck in our, our generosity. And so today I want to give you one powerful idea that's going to help you wherever you are, wherever you are in this journey of generosity. One powerful idea that's going to help you become more generous. And here it is. If you want to become more generous, steward what you have, not what you don't have. Come on, somebody needs to put that in your notes today. Maybe take your phone out, snap a picture of that. If you want to be more generous, and I believe most of us want to be more generous. If you want to be more generous, steward what you have, not what you don't have. What does that mean? Well, so many people want to be generous, but they're not able to because they focus mainly on what they don't have. They focus on what they don't have so much so that what they have never feels like it's enough. For example, you might be here today and you might say, well, Pastor Jeremy, I'm just a college student. I'm just a broke college student. How am I supposed to be generous? You might be a young professional who's here who says, you know, I'm just starting out in my career and I've got a good job, but I've got all these student loans to pay off. Come on, where are the people paying off some student loans? Pray for me, Pastor. <laughs> you, might be a, you might be a married person with a family who would say, well, I'd love to be generous, but I'm paying a mortgage and I'm trying to figure out how to get my kids through college. Yeah, I feel your pain. Maybe you're a retired person. Maybe you're watching today and, and you'd say, well, I'm on a, a fixed income. I don't know how, how I can be generous. See, every one of us, it's so easy, for, no matter what stage you are in life, to focus on what you don't have. But I want to encourage you, steward what you have, not what you don't have. And I want us to look at a story today from the Gospels about a woman who didn't have much, yet she was extraordinarily generous. So we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. And let me give you a little background here. Jesus is with his disciples in the temple courts in Jerusalem when something really fascinating happens. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. It says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So here's Jesus with his disciples sitting in the temple courts. They're people watching. And they're watching people come up and, and give their offerings into the temple treasury, just like we receive offerings on a Sunday morning. And most people probably noticed the wealthy people coming and making their flashy, large donations. That's where most people's attention would have been. But Jesus noticed something that probably nobody else noticed that day. He noticed a poor widow woman who came along, and she put basically two pennies into the temple treasury. 
It was insignificant. The amount was insignificant to most people. But to Jesus, it was significant because she stewarded what she had well. In fact, she was counted as extremely generous because Jesus said she gave all that she had. He said, in fact, even though she only gave two pennies, she actually gave more than everybody else because she, in extraordinary faith, she gave everything that she had. And Jesus praised her for her significant giving. What did she do? She stewarded what she had well. She didn't worry about what she didn't have. She didn't let what she didn't have stop her from being generous. And I think so many people want to be generous, but, but they don't end up becoming generous. They don't end up becoming a giver because they feel like they don't have enough to give. Can I just help you this morning? If you're waiting until you have enough to start giving, if you're waiting until you have enough to, be, to become generous, you'll probably never have enough. You'll never get started. That's like saying, that's like waiting until you feel more spiritual to start praying. Well, I would start praying, but I'm not very spiritual. No, no, you gotta start somewhere. You'll never feel spiritual enough to start praying. That, that's like saying, I'm not gonna go to the gym because I'm a little bit embarrassed because I'm, I'm out of shape and I'm a little bit overweight. No, 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 that's why you go to the gym. You gotta start somewhere to actually give get physically healthy, to get back in shape. And so I know many, many Christians, and I'm sure there's some people in this room who, who think this way, someday I'll be a giver when I have more money. Someday I'll be a giver when I get this, this new job, when I close this business deal, when I get that promotion, I'll start being generous. Let me help you today. If you think one day you're going to wake up and become magically generous all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're kidding yourself. You've you got to start somewhere. You gotta start right now. You gotta steward what you have now. Don't let what you don't have stop you from being who God has called you to be. Don't let what you don't have stop you from being generous. This poor widow didn't have much money, but she was rich in spirit. She was rich in, in, in her heart. She had a heart of generosity. She was generous because she had an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset. How many of you know there's a difference? How many of you know there's at least two different ways of seeing the provision of God in your, in your life. You can either have an abundance mindset or you can have a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset kind of thinks this way, maybe subconsciously without even realizing it. A scarcity mindset says that the, the blessings of God, the provision of God, the resources of God aren't enough to cover everyone. Without realizing it, a scarcity mindset says that there's not enough blessing to go around for everyone. The blessing of God can't possibly cover everyone. So if I give, there's less for me. If I give to you or if I give to the church, there's one less slice of the pie for me. Any of you guys ever go to a party and you're really hungry and you're going through the line and there's some pizza there and you look around at how many people are there and you're not sure there's going to be any more pizza left next time you come around the line so you take a little bit extra? Come on, we've probably all done that before. Let me get an extra slice now in case there's none later on. <laughs> That's a scarcity mindset. We do that, right? Without realizing it, there's not enough blessing to go around. I can't celebrate when you get blessed because that means there's less for me. If I gave to others, there would be less for me. It's a scarcity mindset. Do you know you can be wealthy and still have a scarcity mindset? There are both rich and poor people who are dominated by a scarcity mindset. Then there's an abundance mindset. The abundance mindset is the opposite. The abundance mindset recognizes that God is generous, that his resources are unlimited. There is no limited to, there's no limit to his provision. There's no limit to his blessing. He's able to provide. You, you can't outgive God that, that his blessing is not a pie to be divided. It's a divine flow. It flows from him into my life and overflows from my life to someone else. You got to get this. It's an abundance mindset. Some of you have to make that, that mind shift to recognizing that there's no limit to God's blessing. 
There's no limit to his provision. And so I live in the divine flow of his blessing. It comes into my life. It meets my needs. And then it overflows from my life so that I can bless others, so I can further his kingdom. It's a mindset shift that has to happen for us. Let me give you a few practical keys to becoming generous. Very simple things. A, B, C, D. Very simple. Here's the first one. A, recognize that it all belongs to God. A stands for all. It all belongs to God. That's the first recognition. That's the first thing that we have to to recognize if we're going to become generous. Now, we've been talking about this idea of stewardship, right? Steward what you have well, not what you don't have. What does this word steward mean? I looked it up. It's a verb. It means to manage or to look after another's property. The idea is I'm managing something that doesn't belong to me. So here's the first thing that we have to come to recognize. Everything we have, all of our resources, all of our finances, everything that God has given us, it's from him. God is our provider. God is our source. Can I just help you? When you, when you begin to realize that, it takes a lot of pressure off of you as well. You, you sleep better at night when you really believe that God is your provider. I'm telling you. It's not just about giving. It's about knowing that, that God, you've got me. You can take care of me. Come on, if you can feed the birds of the air, you can take care of me. How much more are you concerned about me? So God, first of all, it all comes from you. It all, it all belongs to you. So for me to give is just to give back a portion of what you've given me in, in the first place. See, you're either becoming more convinced that everything you have is from God or you're becoming more convinced that everything you have is because of you and for you. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Jimmy. I worked really hard for all this money that I make. I put in a lot of long hours. Yeah, I get that. We all feel that way. But you know what we don't often stop to realize? is how God put us in the position to have finances in the first place, to have a good job. We forget that God gave us our health. God gave us the ability to produce wealth. God gave us that education. God gave us that job. God gave us those open doors. God put those people in our lives. God is the one who's sending the increase into our lives. And so if you're gonna become generous, you have to start with this this humble recognition that it all belongs to you, God. Everything I have, it's from you, so I can give a portion of it back to you. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing, B. Okay, that was A. B is you got to be strategic. Somebody say be strategic. You got to be strategic. No one becomes generous by accident. Nobody ever got accidentally generous. No, you have to, you have to actually be intentional. Plenty of us got into debt by accident. Plenty of us messed up our finances by accident, but you never become generous by accident. You have to be intentional. And so you need a plan and a strategy for financial health. Budgeting, saving, living with some margin, right? Paying off debt long term. How are you doing in that area? Come on, we want to encourage you to get unstuck. One of the number one things that keeps people from being generous is they're overwhelmed with debt. I know so many people, I talk to people, I know some of you would say, Pastor Jimmy, I would love to do something significant for the building fund. Pastor Jimmy, I, I would love, I love how this church is making a difference in the community, and I hear about what you're doing every week, you know, in the tithes and offerings, and with the Christmas offering, and I've always wanted to do more, but I can't because I, I'm, in, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt right now. Come on, now's a good time to take that step of faith to get financially healthy. Maybe you need to get in touch with a, with a financial advisor. Okay, maybe you need to Google Dave Ramsey. You guys heard of Dave Ramsey? He's like one of the really well-known Christian gurus to help people with their finances. Email the church, info 
at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. If you're watching online, just email us. We'll, we'll help you out. Email the church, info at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We will get you some resources. I'll even try to help you find a Christian financial advisor. So you gotta, you gotta be intentional. Huh? Savings, having a rainy day fund, right? Put, putting something aside, living within your means and getting out of long-term debt so that you're in better position to be used by God to be generous. You gotta be strategic. Here's C, choose to tithe. C stands for choose to tithe. Let's look at this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. In fact, this is a really strong passage because here's the background. God is rebuking the people of God. He's rebuking the Israelites because they were failing to bring the tithe. And he said, you're actually under a curse. And here's what he said, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So God was teaching his people a principle. He didn't want them to live outside of their means like so many people do in our culture right now. He wanted them to learn how to live on less and trust him with the rest. To live on 90% and bring 10% because that's what the tithe means when you hear us talk about tithes and offerings. It's this principle that the people of God have lived for thousands of years and that is to bring the first and best, the first 10% of what we give back to him. Come on, the idea is, God, I'm acknowledging that you own everything, and so I'm returning a portion of it to you. I'm simply returning to the storehouse a portion of what you've given to me. Now, in the Old Testament, the storehouse would have been the sanctuary or the temple. In the New Testament, the storehouse is the local church. That's why we bring the local tithe, and we don't bring it with all strings attached. We bring the local tithe, we return it to God in the local church. And I want to just tell you this morning, church, I believe something happens when we trust God with our finances in this way. I believe when we give God our first and best, we can trust him to bless the rest. Let me say that again. When you bring God your first and best, you can trust him to bless the rest. I believe that when we put God first in our finances, it invites the blessing of God. I truly believe this. I've lived this my whole adult life. I can preach it to you with passion and conviction that I really believe God can do more with 90% than I can with 100% on my own. I really believe that. God can do more when I trust him. Amen. Some of you have lived that. God can do more with 90% than 100% on my own. And this is the one scripture in all of the Bible where God actually says, put me to the test. Trust me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. And I know some of you are thinking, well, that's just something that really spiritual people do like you, pastor. No, 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 no. There are people in this church who believe in this principle. Let me let you in a little bit of a secret right now. This is the reason we have a church. We wouldn't be here right now if not for people who believe in this principle. It takes a lot of money to run a church just like everything else. We have a staff, we have rent, we have operations, we have things that we have to spend money on. It's because we have people who believe this principle and God says, trust me in this. Come on, I want something for you. I want you to experience the blessing of God. I have never met a believer who trusted God in this area who came to me and said, you know what, pastor, the worst decision I ever made when I, was when I started tithing. The worst decision I ever made was to, you know, was to trust God that way. It's never worked out. No, 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 no. Time after time, year after year, story after story, people come to me and say, man, the best decision I ever made was to trust God with my finances. I've watched it with some people in this church. I've watched their journey. I'm watching how God is growing their business, growing their networks, growing their, their finances, and they're giving back, and God just keeps blessing them back. I want to tell you, church, you cannot outgive God. I've lived these principles my whole life. Amy and I, we have never missed a beat. God has always provided for us. We've always been blessed. So C is choose to tithe. 
And D is decide to be generous. You have to decide, right? It's intentional. Decide, I'm going to be a generous person. See, tithing is not the end. It's actually just the beginning. God, God doesn't prosper you just to raise your standard of living. He prospers you to raise your standard of giving. And there's a couple applications here. First of all, for some of you, it's just beginning to cultivate a generous mindset. It may be giving of your finances, but it might be your time. It might be your talent. It may be just giving to people around you. Come on, how many of you just love a generous person in your life? There are some people in this church, in this church family, I won't pick on them now to embarrass them, but they're just givers. They're just always looking to bless somebody, always stepping up to meet a need. People in this church who have just personally blessed me. I'm encouraged by people who just have a generous heart. That goes beyond tithing. But let me tell you this, there is also a category of people in this church, maybe watching online right now, where you're a tither, but God is wanting to stretch your faith and move you into the next category of being an extravagant giver. Like you've always wanted to use what God has given you to bless others. Some of you, God has given you the ability to make money. Like really, it's a talent you have. We don't all have it. Some of us wish we did who didn't have it, right? There are some of you business people, like God has given you that ability and he's gonna begin to put it on your heart to do something even beyond the tithe. Maybe you're gonna do something for the building fund. We've had a few people do that. Already come forward and say, Pastor, God just put it on my heart to do something. So choose to tithe D and the D is decide to be a generous person. Let me just say, it is a blessing to be used by God to bless others. Amy and I, we've given more than 10% of our whole adult lives. We give in every Christmas offering we ask you to give to. I can tell you we're gonna give something that's significant for us, for the building fund. It's never begrudging. It's a joy to give. I want you to get this in your heart and your mind. It's a joy. The scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. In the Greek, it's literally God loves a hilarious giver, somebody who can laugh at it. Like it's a joy to be used by God to bless others. So back to our story for just a moment. Here's Jesus in the temple courts with his disciples. All these rich people are giving, but this widow comes and she drops her two pennies into the offering. And she was generous because her focus wasn't on what she didn't have. She stewarded what she had well, and it caught the attention of Jesus. Can I just encourage you today, when you take what's in your hand, whatever it is that you have, and you give it back to God, he's able to bless it and multiply it. Come on, all Moses had was a staff, but when he put that staff in the hand of God, God was able to work miracles through it. All this young boy had was some fishes and loaves, but when he put them in the hands of Jesus, he was able to multiply it and feed the thousands. All this lady had was two pennies, but it caught Jesus' attention that day. When she put it in the hand of God, there was a blessing upon it. And I can teach this to you today with, with encouragement. I, I can tell you today, if you want to become generous, steward what you have, not what you don't have. I can preach this to you today with boldness and in faith because I've lived this and I've seen it. A few years ago, I felt like God asked me to give everything back to him. And he doesn't ask this of of everybody, but for me, in a season of prayer about what God had for my future, when God called us to plant this church, I felt like God asked me, will you give me everything? Will you trust me with your life? Will you trust me with your future? Will you trust me with your ministry? Will you trust me with your family? Will you trust me with, with your finances? And I can tell you, when we moved here to plant this church, it was, the, it was a great leap of faith in many ways, but I can promise you it was the greatest leap of financial faith I've ever taken in my life. When we were living up in Buffalo when I was an associate pastor, we lived in a parsonage, which means the church provided a home for us. We lived rent-free. We went from rent-free living to paying Westchester rent. Come on, how many of you know that's a little bit of a step of faith right there? <laughs> it's a big step of faith. And I had to raise my own salary. For the first time in my life, you know, I became a missionary. I had to raise my own support to be able to move here and start this church. And I was scared. 
For the first time in my life, it was a, it was a scary step of faith. Like, God, I don't know if I can provide for, for my own family. I wasn't sure how we were going to make it. Truthfully, the first year we moved here, there weren't enough finances for us to make it through the whole year. But we had to move at some point in time to get this church started. And I kind of felt like that widow. I felt like, God, I don't have a lot to give. I don't have much to give back to you right now. We, we tithe back to the church during that whole season and I just had to trust it with God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, I've seen what God can do when we trust what we have, when we put it in his hand. I've seen what God can do when we trust our lives, when we trust our finances and we put them back in his hand. I remember so many testimonies from those early years of starting the church. I remember, I remember uh, not long after we moved here, you, you guys have heard our story. I shared it a few weeks ago at our six-year anniversary. You know, we lost Amy's dad tragically at 58 years old of a heart attack, and we went back to Buffalo and for his funeral. We came back to Westchester, and we were brokenhearted. You know, it shook our faith. Come on, how many of you know something like that would shake your faith when you're stepping out in faith to trust God? And it really, really messed with me. And I remember that people began to send cards to us, condolences cards. And I've never heard of this before, but we didn't pay for the whole funeral. I don't know how this happened other than God. People didn't just send us condolences cards. They put checks in the mail. And every day we would go to the mail and we would get these cards of people saying, I'm praying for you, believing with you, trusting God for you during this time. And, and we would open checks every day and it was like manna from heaven. Every day we would go to the mailbox and be in tears a day after day, checks begin pouring in. I'm telling you so much so that it built our savings and it built our faith. And it was God's way of saying, like, I'm with you. I've got you. Like, your faith may have been rattled. You may have been shaken in this season, but I'm the God who's going to provide for you. I'm with you in this season. And every day we would go to the mailbox in and, and tears on how God was providing for us. I remember our, our second Sunday. We launched on Palm Sunday. Our second Sunday was Easter Sunday. And, I mean, the church was small, and there weren't a lot of givers. The only reason we were making it financially is because we had support from family and friends and other churches, partner churches, our, our parent church that had helped send us. And I remember that second Sunday, one of our, I call him one of our kids, but one of our, our kids who used to be in our student ministry came in for a visit and brought his dad with him. I didn't know his dad. His dad was visiting from, from Jersey. And, and he was so touched by the service that he sent our church a $5,000 check that week in the mail. Now, I'm telling you, that was more than all of our offerings combined for weeks. Like, that, that might as well have been a million dollars back then when the church had no money at all. And it built our faith. Like, God, you're going to provide for us. You're going to provide for us. I remember... One occasion when the church was probably just a few weeks, few months old, and I'm telling you, it was depressing to count the offering back then. I don't count the offerings now, by the way. <laughs> it, was, it was depressing back then. Like, God, how are we going to make it? How are we going to provide for this church living in this, this expensive area? And um, I remember I went for a prayer walk one day. I went to go pray at, there's a Catholic church at the end of my block, St. Gregory's. And I used to tease and say, I'm Protestant on the weekends. I'm Catholic during the week because I pray at St. Gre Gregory's. And I would go there. On the way there, I stopped by our P.O. box, and uh, there was a lady who would send a check, one of our friends from Buffalo who would send a check every, every month to the church, and I saw her envelope, I put it in my jacket, and honestly, I didn't get excited, I knew what the amount was, it was nice, you know, it was generous, but it wasn't going to pay all the bills, and so I put that check in my jacket, and I went to St. Gregory's and just prayed, like, God, I don't know how to do this, God, I don't know how we're going to make it. God, I believe you called us here, but I'm not sure, you know, how we're going to make it here financially. I don't know how we're going to pay these bills. I don't know how we're going to sustain this church. And I just cried out to God. I said, God, I'm trusting in you. And when I got home that day, I took out that envelope and I opened it up. 
and that check wasn't the regular support she sent every month. It had an extra zero in it. Come on, church, you can't make this stuff up. While I was praying for God to provide, the provision was in my jacket, like right then and there. And God was saying, you got to trust me. I've got you. I'm going to provide for you. And it built my faith. Church, I want to tell you this morning, I've seen what God can do. When we take what we have and we put it in his hand, when we trust him with our finances. And I want to tell you, all of these years later, God has provided. God has provided for our family. We've never missed a beat. We've never had a bill go unpaid. Our bills are paid. We have some money in savings. We're able to, to, to tithe. We're able to be generous. We go on nice family vacations. My kids are provided for. Come on, I want to tell you, God is faithful. God has provided for us. We're blessed. But can I just encourage you this morning? The blessing of God is even better than that. Come on, it gets even better than that. It's even better than what God has just given our family, how he's provided for us materially. Last year when, when COVID hit, you know, there was significant financial needs all around us, in our church, in our community, right? People were in trouble. People were furloughed, laid off of work, and unemployment hadn't started yet. And of course, we were concerned with how it was going to impact the finances of the church and very aware of the financial need of places like Porchester, where we've been serving for years. And I was so blown away at the generosity of our church because instead of cutting back our giving, people began to text us and message us and call us and say, hey, pastor, what can we do? We want to help somebody else in need. And, and, and I would have somebody call me seriously and say, hey, I want to give an extra $2,000 this month. Can you get it to a family in need? And it would come in and and we would turn around and give it out. And every day we were mailing out grocery gift cards and we were getting funds to single moms in our church and families in need in our church. And Pastor Dave came on staff and started doing a weekly food delivery with our partnership with Caritas. And, and we did some, uh, some support here to Carver Center. We helped get families to, uh, diapers to families in, in need. And, and there were so many times that I sat at the table in tears at the generosity of our church. I think in the first few weeks that COVID hit, 30,000 extra dollars came in and we turned around and we gave it right back out. As soon as it came in, we gave it right back out to families in need. And you know what God showed me in that season? God, God spoke to me. He reminded me. He took me back to that place seven years ago when we first moved here. He reminded me of how fearful I was when we first moved here when for the first time in my life as a husband, as a father, as a provider, when I was concerned about whether or not I could provide for my own family. He took me back to that time and he said, Jeremy, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. This is why I brought you to Westchester. This moment, this is why I brought you to Westchester. I didn't bring you here just to bless you. I bless you to be a blessing. And not only have I taken care of your family, but now I'm using you. Now I'm using your church to take care of so many people in need. And it literally reminded me of the story of Joseph, one of my favorite stories. How Joseph, when he went to Egypt, he was just a slave. He didn't have anything. But God used him. God put him in a, a position of authority and second in command of all of Egypt so that when the famine came, he could provide for the people. He could provide for his own family. God showed me, like, this is why I asked you to take that leap of faith. This is why I asked you to trust me with everything because my blessing is bigger than you. Come on, church. I want you to know today that the, the greatest blessings in my life aren't just material things aren't just the fact that my bills are paid. No, no, it's seeing lives changed. It's seeing God work through our church. It's seeing God work through, through my life. It's seeing the blessing of God overflow from my life. I want to tell you, you can't put a price tag on God working through you to bless others. You can't put a price tag on God seeing, seeing God use your life to be a blessing to other people. My dad used to always say something growing up. My dad was a pastor. I remember my dad many times sitting around the dinner table. He would say, son... We're the richest people in town. We're the richest people in town. And here's the truth. We didn't have that much money. We had a home. 
We never missed a meal. We were provided for, but honestly, we didn't have that much money. My parents lived by faith, but we had the presence of God in our lives. We had the presence of God in our lives. You can't put a price tag on that. And I can tell you this morning, church, and I say it to my kids every now and then, I can say it now, we're the richest people in Westchester. No, I don't have the biggest house. Truth is, it's a three-bed, two-bath fixer-upper. No, I don't drive the fanciest car. I got a Chevy Traverse with scratches in it for my kids' bikes. Yeah, I got a pair of Air Jordans, but honestly, they're not even the most expensive ones. They might even be fake. I don't know. But here's the truth. I'm rich in purpose. I'm rich in souls. I'm rich in lives changed. I'm rich in, I'm rich in significance because I've seen God work through my life. And I, and I tell my kids, you can't put a price tag on the presence of God in your life. You can't put a price tag on God working through your life, knowing that your life is making a difference. Come on, if you want to become generous, steward what you have, not what you don't have, and we all have something. The widow just had two pennies. We all have something. Come on, I want something for you, church. I want you to experience the blessed life. I want you to know the peace and the provision of God. I want you to have your own testimonies, just like God has given me testimonies. I want you to have your own testimonies that you can pass down to your kids, to your grandkids. I want you to, to have your own stories of how God worked through your life to bless others, of how you're a part of this, this church, this story of seeing what God does here, of seeing how he works through your life to be a blessing to other people. And so let me ask you this final question. What would it look like for you to steward what you have well. Come on, if God is calling us to steward what we have, not what we don't have, what would it look like for you to steward what you have well? Think through those simple applications. Maybe it's that first step for you. Just come into the recognition that it all belongs to God. God, I can trust it all. I can trust everything I have from you because it's all from you, God. I can stop worrying about it all the time, knowing that, God, you're my, my provision. Maybe for some of you it is that strategic thing. It's time to get strategic. It's time to get out of debt. It's time to start building your savings. It's time to start living within your means. It's time to stop buying the lie that the more stuff you're going to have, the happier you're going to be. Jesus said your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. There are people all around us. We've got a little bit of that happening around here in Westchester in Connecticut of people believing the lie that the more stuff they have, the happier they're going to be. And Jesus says, no, I've got a purpose for you that's greater than that. Maybe for some of you, it's time to, to get healthy financially. Maybe for some of you, you've been a giver, but it's time to, to stretch that area of tithing. God, I'm going to trust you with my first and my best and believe that you can bless the rest. And then for some of you, God's moving you into that extravagant category. Come on, I'm going to put some things in your heart, some projects. You're going to help some finance, some people around you who are in need. I'm going to give you a generous spirit, a radically generous spirit. I want to tell you, there's nothing like it. It's nothing like living with a generous heart, knowing that God is working through your life. And it starts with stewarding what you have, not what you don't have. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you this morning. Just stand with me in this place, church online. Just stay locked in as we pray together in this moment. And we're going to ask God to help us in this area. We're going to ask God to give us faith. We're going to ask him to give us strength where we're weak, to trust him in this area. We're going to pray that God would give us a generous heart, a spirit of generosity, a heart of generosity. I'm telling you, this is one of the hallmarks of being a Christian. This isn't bonus. This isn't extra credit. Like, this is like in the DNA of what it is to be a Christian. We're called to be generous people. So, Father, we thank you today that you are a good God, that you're a loving God. God, we thank you that today we can choose to trust you. 
And God, I pray for the person who's been so worried, so stressed out about this area of their life, that God, they can learn to trust and believe that everything we have is from you, that God, you're a good God, you're a provider. You're gonna take care of us. If you can feed the birds of the air, God, you can feed us. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, give us a strategy to get healthy financially. God, help us to begin to live within our means. God, give us a strategy to get out of debt and to begin to save and to begin to have some margin, to begin to have some breathing room. God, I pray for the person today who it's been on their heart to step out to become a tither. God, give them the faith to do it. For those who you're stretching to become an extravagant giver, a generous person, God, help them to know they cannot outgive you. They cannot outgive you. God, God, switch us, God. Switch us over from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset that, God, you, there's no limit, God. There's no limit to what you're able to give. There's no limit to your provision, God, that it flows into our lives, meets our needs, and overflows from our lives to further your kingdom, to meet needs all around us. Father, make us generous people. Would you pray that with me? God, give me a generous heart to steward well what you've given to me. God, we thank you for it. I pray your blessing over your people. God, show yourself faithful as we trust you in this area, as we test you in this area. Father, I pray that you would open the floodgates of heaven over your people's lives. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.